It's good to have you here this morning. My name is Brian Klein. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and this is Memorial Weekend. We want to welcome you all here as you gather together to worship. Those of you online, we want to welcome you as well. And those of you over in the venue area, uh, welcome, welcome. You know, this is Memorial Weekend. You get a choice today. Do you realize today was the day you got a free choice? Get the choice to come to worship or the choice not to. And that's based on the very fact that there are some men and women that were willing to go to the front lines and to fight for that freedom of choice. That freedom of choice. And uh, I would love for us just to pause and remember that this is not the weekend that summer vacations begin. This is the weekend where freedom was fought for, lives were sacrificed for. It's a weekend where we also reflect upon the very fact that our, our great Savior Jesus fought for us so that we could be free in him as well. Father, I pray that you would just, uh, we, as we pause in this moment, Lord, we want to remember that we are enjoying the opportunity today, this weekend, in our lives. We have what we have today because others were willing to go to the front line and to lay their life down so that we could have what we enjoy today. Father, thank you. And Jesus, I want to thank you as well as we remember the very fact that you too um, went to the front line on our behalf. You are the truth, you're the way, you're the life, and, and we experience freedom, freedom in you as well. This Memorial Weekend, it's about sacrifice. It's about laying our life down. It's about the future. And uh, Lord, thank you for our country. Thank you for our president. Thank you for our men and women who are serving in the military. Thank you for, um, for protecting us as a land, as a people. God, um, we give you the praise. We, we are humbled that we have what we have today as we remember those who laid their lives down for us all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we are going through the Gospel of John. And you know, momentum is important in life. Isn't it? Momentum is. In the sales world, momentum is so important. You start building momentum in your sales, you want to keep riding that wave, right? But in a minute the, the, the momentum quits, it's really hard. In sports, there's such thing as what we call a swing in momentum. It doesn't take long to lose your momentum as well. 
It's fun to watch uh, volleyball because an opponent could have the momentum. The serves are just, you're scoring and scoring one after another. And it's, it's so fun to watch that sometimes all it takes is a timeout to break the momentum. And then the person who serves that's been serving numerous points all of a sudden serves it right into the net. Just broke the momentum. You know, in my spiritual journey, there's such things as momentum as well. And I'm sure there is for you as well. There are times where I am, I'm going rock solid in my walk with God. And I'm, my time in, alone with God is going well. And then all of a sudden, there, there becomes a, a, a shift. Uh, something happens. Something gets me out of the routine. Maybe a vacation. Maybe uh, an interruption that you overslept or something like that. And you all of a sudden, you get out of the momentum. You see, there are many things that can cause one to lose momentum. It can be a uh, turnover. It could be a timeout. It could be gossip. It could be words being spread that aren't even true that all of a sudden cause a person to lose, get, lose heart and lose momentum. And it can also be the very fact of the opinions of others. Starting to listen to the opinions of others can start have an effect on your momentum. You see, Jesus' ministry had been building a momentum all the way up through chapter 6, all the way till the very end, as we saw last week. You know, he healed the official son. He healed the paralyzed man of 38 years. He, he spoke to a crowd of 5,000 people and, and then, and then had, had the picnic afterwards, okay? Had the picnic afterwards with perfect weather and everything was going great. And he fed all 5,000 people to the full. And then he makes this statement about being the bread of life and that they need to eat his body and drink his blood. And then all of a sudden, everybody said, nah, nah. I, you know, I think I'm going to enter the transfer portal. <laughs> I think I'm going to enter the transfer portal. I was kind of liking what was going on up to this point. But now you had to say that. And you're asking for a deeper commitment. In fact, I don't even understand what all that means. Instead of sticking with it and discovering what it meant, the people just started walking away, turning their back and leaving the meeting, leaving and walking away. And all of a sudden, the attendance dropped. All of a sudden, people were looking for a different team to be a part of, something a little more palatable for what they were looking for. They liked everything what Jesus had to say up to that point. But now he's really getting into the deeper part of what, what they all needed. Momentum is beginning to shift right now in Jesus' ministry. And when momentum starts shifting, opinions start lifting. Okay? Opinions start being more expressed. And they're going to enter this transfer portal to join another team somewhere. And Jesus turns to his core team guys and he says, hey guys, um, are, are you going to transfer as well? Are you going to leave as well? You know, and Peter gives this firm commitment statement. He says, well, I don't know where else we would go. There's confidence. 
But Peter's just saying, you know, I've been with you in this, and, you know, I'm having a hard time grasping this as well, but I have no other reason to go anywhere else. We come to chapter 7 in John. And in John chapter 7, this whole chapter is about one week. We're going to look at one week's time in John chapter 7. Now, you may look at John chapter 7 and say, oh my goodness, there's 52 verses in this, and, and uh, we're going to get through this. Yes, we will. And we'll be done in time for the picnic on the 13th. Okay? All right? So... Hang on. We're just going to we're going to endure the weather, the wet weather till the 13th and the weather will be nice. Then we'll have our picnic, okay? There we go. We come to chapter 7 of John. And I want to set the stage for this chapter. If you look at the very first verse, it says this. After this, after what? After Jesus fed the 5,000, after Jesus made the big bold statement, after all the people start walking away from Jesus, entering the transfer portal, going to another form of, of religious followers and not following Jesus anymore. After this, what did Jesus do? Did he go back and reassess how he was doing ministry? No, he didn't. It says Jesus went around Galilee to continue to do ministry. It didn't alter him. It didn't stop him. He had a purpose. And he did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. Man, things are just going really well for Jesus right now, right? You know, thousands of people are leaving him. He's continuing on in ministry, but he's staying away from a specific region because, you know, there is, there's a, his life is in jeopardy. But what centers around the rest of this chapter is the next part in verse 2. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near. Now, I, I want to set the setting for this for you. The rest of this chapter has to deal with what all happens at this festival. So it's a, kind of important for you to understand what that is, okay? Every uh, once a year, they would have this, this celebration. The Jewish people would come from all regions of wherever they lived, and they would, they would all enter into Jerusalem. It would be like a, a week-long national conference, okay? We're a convention together, but mainly a little more than, than just that. It was a, a time to remember and reflect back on God's faithfulness to the people, to the nation of Israel, when they were wandering in the wilderness in the desert, and how God provided manna, but he also provided water when they were the thirst, most thirsty. And so what people would do is that they would come to this, to Jerusalem, and they would literally camp out. They would make makeshift uh, tents, so to speak, uh, and uh, in the streets, People would actually, that, who lived in Jerusalem, would make tents on top of the flat roof of their homes, and they would literally reenact the whole, what it was like to be Israel in the wilderness journey. And then once a day, they would all gather at the tabernacle, 
And the priest would come and he would pick up a, a big gold pitcher uh, and he would leave the tabernacle carrying the pitcher uh, above his head and, and he would walk to the pool of Siloam and he would fill that, that pitcher up with water and then the people would follow behind and he would carry that pitcher of water back into the temple and he would pour it out on the altar and the people would, would praise God for his faithfulness for his provision of providing the water that they all needed because uh, they were thirsty in the wilderness and remembering the very fact. So day after day after day, they would do this. And throughout that time, uh, all every day when they would do this, then there would be special featured speakers that they would have, so to speak, okay? There would be various Bible scholars that would that would open up the Old Testament law and, and review what that was like for, for Moses and the people of Israel in the wilderness. And they would speak about this and they would listen to it. So that, that's the setting, okay? That's the whole setting of what this whole chapter is about. And, and, uh, and so we come to that knowing that this is, this is going to happen. This great event. People are excited. They signed up to enter this conference, so to speak, as we would think of it, this national conference, and with all these special speakers and to reflect upon all these things. And, but Jesus, in the meantime, knew that the people of Israel had a bounty on his head, that they were looking to kill him. It says it right there. Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him in Jerusalem. And Jesus knew that. And now the mounting opinions began. So that's the setting. Now, the remainder of what we're going to look at is we're going to look at all the various opinions that were happening during that week. And then we're going to look at how Jesus handled all those opinions about himself. And then we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how do we handle opinions in our lives? What are some practical things of what we can do to keep ourselves from losing spiritual momentum by giving too much credit to the opinions of others? So what is an opinion? Opinion is this. It's a belief or judgment that falls short of absolute conviction and certainty. Okay? It's a belief or a judgment, but it falls short of absolute conviction, absolute certainty. And so let's, let's look at the various opinions that were out there. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. It says, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. They did not believe in the very core of what Jesus was, a, was about. And so they, they had an opinion. And their opinion was this. You know, it was kind of like Jesus kind of walked into the kitchen and all the brothers were sitting around the table and they were hashing out what Jesus did just a while ago. And it's kind of like, man, you know, that was awesome. He fed 5,000, but then he really blew it by having that one statement and everybody just left, you know, and 
Now everybody's kind of discouraged. They're reassessing what he's doing, and it didn't seem to really work. And, and they're evaluating it. And, and his brothers, his own family, turn on him. And they say to him, in a mocking way, they say to him, why do you do all this stuff in Galilee? Why are you just hanging out in little old Galilee? Why don't you go, you know what, the feast of the tabernacles is coming up, and that is a big event. Why don't you go there and reestablish and regather what you lost? Perform your stuff there, Jesus. Go there and do that. Show yourself to the world. In fact, they, they say this very phrase here. They said, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. See, their mindset was Jesus was all about being a public figure. Jesus was all about trying to make an impression to get a group of followers just for himself. That, that, that's what he was establishing. They didn't understand the whole foundation of what Jesus was doing. And so they said, Jesus, why don't you just go and do the miraculous things in Judea, and you'll reestablish that which you've been trying to develop of your ministry level. Prove it. Show yourself to the world. Prove that you are worthy of following. Oh, but how many times do we fall into that mindset? When all of a sudden things just aren't going quite well, that we have to try to prove it, that we're that we're doing well spiritually, you know. We prove it by posting something. We see something and go, wow, that's good. Now, I, I, and so what we do is we repost it, right? We copy it and paste it, you know. Or, or I love it when you, when you, you know, as you're, you're reading a statement on Facebook and it's a few paragraphs, you go, wow, this, this person has really put some thought into this. And then at the very tail end of it, it says, please paste and post to someone and you're going, oh, I'm just, this is just a reposting things. You know, this person really didn't think it. He just took it and, and, you know, he's just trying to make a public image of himself. So here's, here's the, the brothers that didn't believe in Jesus but wanted him to perform. The opinion of performing. Well, let's move on. What was the other group? Well, Jesus tells him, in, in a sense, we'll, we'll go back to this, but he says, no, I'm not going to go to Jerusalem right now. Um, you guys go ahead. Uh, I, I'm not going to go. It's not the time for me. We'll talk about that a little later. And it says that, uh, that in verse 12, verse through 15, it says, among the crowds there was widespread whispering about him. Have you ever been part of that? <laughs> You ever been a part of that where you're, you know, everybody's in their little pockets and they're kind of, you know, and they're all talking about Jesus. In fact, um, in the end of verse 11, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and saying, where is he? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? I know he would come. This is a big event. This is a big event. Where is he? Where is he? And it says the crowds there were widespread. They were whispering about him. And what were they whispering? They were whispering about their opinions. A group of people were saying, man, I, I'll tell you what, he's a good man. He's, a, he's really a good man. He really cares about people. He's good. Based on what he has done for people, it's always been good. Meeting the needs. 
And then someone else will say, but, but, no, but no, no, he deceives the people. He's only good just to get people to follow him. There's something about, I think there's a motive behind what he's trying to do. You know, he does the feeding of everybody, and he, and he heals people, and he does all these things, but there's got to be a, a, a personal motive behind it. See, it was opinion. They didn't believe in the fullness of what Jesus was doing. And then it says, and, and it says no one would even say it publicly. They wouldn't say it out loud, but they were saying it amongst themselves. Hey, come on. We've all been part of that, right? We've all participated in evaluating something. You know, you probably, after today, you're going to sit around and evaluate what I said. I've been there. I've sat around the table listening to people's opinions about the sermon or, and all that kind of stuff. It, we all do that. So he's a good man. He deceives the people. And then it says that Jesus did show up, and halfway through the week, Jesus gets up in the temple, and he begins to teach. And the people are like, what? This guy is amazing. I mean, I've never heard anybody teach like this before. In fact, I don't even see him on the roster of special featured speakers for the week. this guy and they say this how did he get such learning without being taught have you ever been to conferences where they would have featured speakers and then what school they went to and how many degrees they had and how many books they wrote and how many churches they pastored and you know just a, a litany of all these things that they've done you know and they're looking and they're trying to find Jesus on the list of the featured speakers for the week and they can't find him and they go where in the world did he get all this learning from? His credentials. We don't even know what his credentials are. What school did he go to? Who was his mentors? So there was the opinion that all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, it's pretty awesome what he's doing, but... I, I got to know the credentials behind if this is really valid or true or good. Okay? And then Jesus, they, they claim that he's demon possessed. Verse 20 he says, Man, you are demon possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said, You know, he had answered, talked to them and said, You know, you, you, by the way, you're all trying to kill me. Uh, there's someone out here in Jerusalem that's trying to kill me, and people are going, you are going crazy. You're paranoid. You think that there are people out to kill you. We don't even know who you are. You don't even have any credentials. Why are we making you so important? Why do you think you're so important? You know, I think we all face those moments in life when we, all of a sudden we're going to take God at his true word, and we're going to, we're going to, Forgive someone when everybody else says, you know what, you don't need to forgive them anymore. You know, they've offended you. Just, just, just do away with them. And you go, well, I don't know, God's word says I'm supposed to forgive. I'm going to work on forgiveness. And they're going, you're crazy. 
You're crazy. You're taking this way too serious. And that's what they're doing with Jesus here, his opinion. Now let's look at the other area of opinion this whole week. This is what Jesus is encountering, a whole week of this. All kinds of opinions about himself. Look at verses 27. He says, but we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. And then verse 41 to 43. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say the Messiah will come from David's descendants? So all of a sudden there is this opinion about his social status. Where did he come from? What's his pedigree of background? What region? He came from Galilee? Really? It'd be like, you know, I don't know if Jesus could even get a job as a pastor in any church in North America if he was going to pastor a church today. Because you have to have what? You have to have what school you went to. You have to have uh, required a Master of Divinity degree. You have to, you know, where did you grow up? Oh, you grew up where? It'd be like me not going to school, but I'm from Lyman, Nebraska. Lyman, oh yeah, that, that's a Lyman, Lyman, Nebraska. Where's that? Western Nebraska? Western Nebraska, where's that? You see, the opinion of social status. So there's all these opinions about Jesus this whole week at the festival. You see, all of these opinions, all these judgments, all these conclusions that they were having about Jesus at any time, any place can directly affect the purpose and his momentum. They were opportunities to redirect his momentum, and yet we're going to see how Jesus handled all those opinions. You see, when circumstances kind of flop in your life, when all of a sudden life gets difficult and hard, and they kind of flop in your life, you could prove yourself by doing it another way. Oh, I'm going to prove to people. I'm going to perform a certain way. I'm going to regain what I lost because, because I, I had a, I messed up. Where people start falsely accusing you of your motives. And all of a sudden you say, you know what, it's just not worth it. Every time I try to do something good, everybody else has something that's, that's countering my motives behind it. People talk. Oh, and well, I don't have. You know what? I really don't have the background. I really couldn't do that because I don't have the educational background for this. See, the whole part of what I want you to see about all these opinions is this. Letting the opinions of the world direct you will destroy the spiritual purpose and momentum within you. The world is full of opinions. Facebook is full of opinions. You, you are influenced by opinions. And if you let those opinions direct you, they will ultimately interfere 
with the spiritual momentum and purpose that God has, that he wants to do within you. Every time you switch your focus in the midst of doing something, you lose momentum. You lose it. Let's consider how Jesus handled this, okay? All right? How does Jesus handle when his brother said to him, hey, you know what? You got to quit doing this in secret. You need to go public. You need to perform in public. Come on, Jesus. You need to do this for the benefit of your disciples, but not only that, for the benefit of what you want to do. You want to you create a following? Man, get to Jerusalem and start doing this stuff in public. So Jesus turns to them and he says this, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because why? Because I bring truth and I speak truth. I reveal that their works are evil. You guys, go ahead, go to the festival. I'm not going up to the festival at this time. Because my time has not yet fully come. I'm not going to enter in with the pomp and circumstance that all of you are going to do on the very first day. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make a public spectacle of myself. It's not that Jesus didn't want to do miracles. He just didn't want to do it with the wrong motive. You get it? He didn't want to do it because someone had an opinion that maybe he should do it to kind of prove himself. He said, not yet. If I show up with the wrong motives, and if I live my life to perform for others, and I follow your opinion, rather than to glorify the Father in, my, in God the Father's time, it will literally kill me. It'll kill me. You see, unbelief leads to performance. When you start losing belief in what God wants to do in you, and then all of a sudden you start listening to the opinions of others, then you will start performing for the benefit of what others are thinking you should do. And it will literally kill your purpose and your momentum to bring glory to God through your life. So Jesus says, no, not me. When you do it for the wrong audience, and when people stop clapping and people stop slapping you on the back, and people stop saying, boy, that was good, and they, you, start, you stop getting the attaboys and the wonderful things, then you will eventually stop performing as well. It will kill you. Jesus wasn't doing it for the people. He certainly wasn't doing it for their praise. He was doing it for the purpose, and the purpose was not the people. The purpose was the audience of one, and that was God himself. Now, there was this whispering going on, right, in chapter 7. People said he was a good man. People say that he was, he was uh, a good man, and then he was a deceiver. He deceived people. He had alternative motives, and then he was... He had such great learning. Where did he get that all from? And Jesus answers that in verse 16 through 17. And he says, hey, you want to understand where I got my teaching? 
I didn't come from, I didn't get my MDiv from some seminary. It wasn't under anybody. My teaching is not my own. I want you to know that. This is not of my own agenda. My teaching comes from the one who has sent me. Jesus goes right back to identifying who he is and what his purpose was. His purpose was to follow the one who sent him. The purpose was to do the very thing of what he was called to do. And he says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak of my own. That's a pretty bold statement right there. He just calls them out. Basically, Jesus is saying this in that statement. He says, you want to have a spiritual understanding of where my, speaking, my, my teaching comes from? It's not produced by solely learning the facts or procedures, but rather it depends totally upon me being obedient to the truth of Scripture. And he says, I'm not speaking on my own. I'm not speaking to my own. I am not here to convey how educated I am. I'm not here to impress you at all. Okay? So, you know, they have all these featured speakers in the tabernacle, then all of a sudden, Jesus pops up and starts talking. And they're just like, ooh, this is good stuff. We've never heard it told this way before. Look at verse 21 through 24. He says, I did one miracle and you were all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you the circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath, Sabbath, so the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Quick, quick little statement there. Jesus saying, listen, you, they, they circumcise a, a, a boy, baby boy, on eighth day after they were born. And sometimes that fell on the Sabbath. And so they would circumcise that little baby boy on the Sabbath. And they said, that's okay. And Jesus says, so you circumcise a baby boy, which seems to be pretty painful and, and, and intensive to that baby boy on the Sabbath, and that's okay. But I bring whole healing to a man that was lame and walking and I bring wholesome to his body and you say that is wrong. And then he says this, stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly. Boy, we do a lot of judging just by appearances, don't we? Rather than looking at the whole what's behind it all. Well, let's move on. Then all of a sudden, Jesus responds to the social status, kind of like, oh, where did he come from? Where did he come from? I heard he came from Galilee. Galilee, what? And Jesus responds in verse 28 and 29, he says this. He's still teaching in the temple courts, and he cries out, yes, you know me. <laughs> yes, you know where I come from. But I'm not here on my own authority. But what, what does he do again? He says, but I'm here under the authority of the one who sent me. I know who I am following, and that is God. 
And he says, you do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. You see, when we give too much weight to the whispers and opinions of others and not enough weight to God's purpose and plan, we will lose spiritual momentum. And what Jesus did in every one of those opinions, he answered with what God's purpose and plan was for his life. And he stayed the course of what God had called him to do. Now, verse 37 says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival. So this is a whole week, right? And the very last day, this happens. On the very last day, they don't go get a pitcher of water and bring it to the altar. What everybody does is they show up at the tabernacle and they start... uh, worshiping and praying to God, God, you be the water of life to us. God, we want you to satisfy the thirst in our life, God. And they would pray this. And Jesus was hearing them praying this. And and it's just interesting because Jesus stood there watching this. Now, I got a picture of this. I got a picture of Jesus watching what the Old Testament tradition was. And now he is entering into a whole new opportunity for people. He's in the transition phase, and he's going like, man, guys, it's no longer about that anymore. I have the water of life. And he says, and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Anyone. Anyone. Anyone, any intelligence, any race, any class, any nationality, any political party, any religious sect, anyone. And basically, he just spent a whole week listening to people thirsting for answers, right? Coming up with opinions, trying to resolve what the purpose of who Jesus is. And Jesus says, listen, let's just stop this right now. And just, I just want to give you this invitation. If you're thirsty, if you're tired of trying to fulfill all the opinions of everybody else's life, just come and drink from me. I'm the one that will satisfy your thirst. Whoever believes with conviction and certainty is to take it all in. I went and got a bottle of water out of the office and we, we buy special water in the office uh, because, you know, the, we want to make sure we're doing things right. Because the bottle of water I pulled out of the refrigerator says it's Nestle water, but it says pure life. You know, we don't want to just drink anything. That, you know, we want pure life water. I don't, I don't think we choose it just for that, but I thought it was kind of unique this morning. And Jesus says, I want you to know you're thirsty. And anybody can do this. Anybody. Jesus says, I'm the water. You don't just take a little bit of me, you take all of me. You, you drink all of me. You take me all in, 
and I'll tell you what will happen. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now not only do you take it in for yourself, it'll flow out from you to others, and you will do things for people's lives that people will wonder, why are you living that way? It's because Jesus is in you. And all the opinions of others isn't going to matter because you're drinking from the river of life, from Jesus. Well, let's wrap it up by this. Here's three lessons I want, want you to gather out of this. You say, man, Brian, what, what can I walk away? Number one is this. Listen, guys, where there is unbelief, opinions will be freely expressed. Where there is unbelief, know that their opinions will be freely expressed. When people start expressing opinions about you, you need to remind yourself of this one thing. I wonder where their belief system is. I wonder why they're so strong in their opinion. There must be something that is off in their belief system. Number two, when God is your focus, the opinions of others are no longer your sustenance. Remember, when the opinions come, God is your source of clarity. When the opinions come about how you're living your life or what you should do with your life or why you're doing it with your life, God is your source of clarity. Go back to the purpose of why you're living your life and who is it that lives within you. Jesus did it over and over again. I'm doing it because God the Father sent me. I'm teaching that which the Father has taught me. It isn't about me. It isn't about your opinion. It's about who God is in me. Now live your life that way. And thirdly, Jesus is the sustenance that quenches the thirst for your purpose, which will flow out from within you to others. Now today, Jesus says, if you have lived by the opinions of others or the world, and through those opinions, there is the pressure to perform, that you want to try to prove yourself to the church, to others, that gets tiresome, guys. That gets tiresome. Trying to perform Trying to maintain your, your status before others. That gets tiresome. He says, I am the fresh drink. Guzzle me down every day. Drink from me. Drink from me. Anyone here this morning tired of living based on others' opinions? Today, Jesus says, come to me. Drink from me. I'll bring fulfillment into your life. I'll give you a purpose. And out of me coming within you, I will transform your life that how you live your life will impact others in such a way that they're going to have opinions about you, but it doesn't matter because you know who you are, Jesus. It really doesn't matter because the sustenance of who you are is the water of life of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Jesus, thank you for modeling for each and every one of us the importance of living and pursuing our purpose, being able to know who our identity is. 
Jesus was challenged from every facet of life. And Jesus, you showed us that it's all about keeping our focus on you, not losing our momentum, not losing our focus, not getting distracted, but living committed to who you are and what you've called us to be. I pray that there this morning, anybody that's tired of living, performing, that they would drink from the water of life of Christ. That they would take you all in and allow you to do a great work in their lives. In Christ's name we pray.